Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. We're going to continue the third sermon in the series called Villains. In my house, there was something that could happen between siblings that could put you on top or the bottom. And it's called whoever gets to mom first will be considered the right person. If you were the second person in after somebody else told mama what went on in the house when she was gone, you, you lost. But if you could be the first person to tell mama what was going on, the finger wouldn't be pointed at you. She would at least rebuke the other person enough where both of y'all was guilty. You wouldn't be alone. There's something about human beings that are almost addicted to pointing the finger at other human beings. If pointing at you gets the pressure off me, well, here you go. Pointing the finger is a universal signal or sign that it happens even before language at times. It's just global. If you can't say nothing else, bottle, bottle. Then you want to say bottle, but you don't have to work. <laughs> Pointing can be used in a good way. You can point out someone's good. Like Pastor Daryl and Stephanie, they do a lot of good for a lot of people, myself being one of the recipients. I said, they're good. You point at those people, that's good. No one's offended at that. Oh, those are good people right there. You can point out, for, okay, for some of the uh, more seasoned saints that are in the room who used to watch TV when it was only four or five channels, <laughs> y'all don't even, y'all generation don't know about that. And you turn the knob and the TV antenna, uh, and you might get fuzz on like three of the channels and you only got one, but that's all right because that's, you know, at least good programming was on it. And you even point to the sky. It's a plane. It's a bird. No, it's not. It's Superman. That's a good person to point at. Then there's those other times when pointing the finger could just be so rude. And if enough people are pointing a finger, let's all just point right now. Everybody just point. Don't do that, Dave. Okay. He, he gets to the face. He did the face like, don't point. Well, let's do it. It can be fun, Dave. It can be fun. This is, no, I'm going to pick you. If enough people point, they don't even have to say nothing. Yeah, everybody point your finger at him right here. Right. Now, he, we don't know what he's done. But it's going to make him feel like he did something. And it's going to make everybody else in the room say, I don't know what he did, but if everybody's pointing, then he must have did something. Because that's how society works. If I can get enough people to put the emphasis on this person or this situation, then they obviously have to be guilty of something. Do you know pointing the finger might be one of the most demonic things that we can do? You know, the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. You know, you know what they, it's ways to tell, you know, to work something out other than accusation. You don't know what's in somebody's mind. You don't know what's in somebody's heart. But the spirit of accusation allows you to do this. 
And the proverb says, the first person to communicate something seems to be right until the other comes and does an examination. You don't know the whole story. But pointing the finger has become easy. You know, I worked in the criminal justice system for a long time. And if you didn't know this, when you point the finger at somebody and you, put the, you get it close enough and you put that finger in their face, that's an assault. You didn't even touch them. You assaulted them. They could have a violent reaction and it'll be like, uh, you know, well, we understand. You put your finger in his face. You pointed at him. But here's the challenging thing. We are likely to know that if we point the finger at someone else, what your mama teach you? You got three fingers pointing back at you. But I'm not going to point at myself. When I point at myself, it's because I'm the best. I'm self-congratulatory. I'm doing some good stuff. Me, myself, and I. Look at me. That's why, you know, football is, right, for football fans, it's like, you know, you score a touchdown, you're the man. It took a whole team to do that. How are you the man? We're so used to it. Pointing the finger, I think, is a popular and easy thing, an easy temptation for the enemy to put within our midst currently, but it's not new. It's been in the Bible. And today when we look at the text and we look at the characters within the text, we're going to see that this finger-pointing spirit is alive and well, and God gives us something we can do about it. Let's go to Acts Nine, we're going to start at the first verse through the ninth verse. That's quite a number of verses to read. So I want you guys to get with it right away. Read it with some clarity and some some power. If you find that you're ahead of someone, just slow down. If you find out you're going too slow, speed up. If you're not talking loud, then I want you to talk loudly. Ready? Read. It is clear in this text that whenever people back in the day heard the name Saul, he was definitely considered a villain. He was definitely someone who could take you out and would take you out. He was someone that even when someone was obviously innocent, if they didn't think like him, talk like him, believe like him, or fall under his narrative of what was right and wrong, he was totally okay with their life being snuffed out. When we see 
uh, Saul first introduced, he's introduced at the execution of a righteous man full of the Holy Spirit, a Christian, a believer named Stephen, who had only spent time preaching the gospel to the leaders in this area, taking it from the Old Testament scriptures, which the Judas, Jews believed in, all the way to the New Testament, proving that Jesus really was the Son of God. And instead of this gospel presentation making, making Saul someone who was soft-hearted and gave in to God, he only became more emboldened to his position. He became emboldened to his traditions. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was trained by Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee as concerning the law. He was zealous. He had so many things that made him feel like he was right. And I'm going to tell you, when somebody believes that they are right, they are stubborn, they are obstinate, they are hard, hard, hard to deal with, you're not going to fix them. And everybody that's in a, in, in a marriage right now knows that there are certain things about your spouse that are unlikely to change. They have patterns of thinking and ways of ways of thinking. I still haven't changed some of the things that I want to change because when you're stuck on it and you believe you're right, it's hard. You can become hard to live with. I have a statement. Never fight when you're right because you're too passionate. You'll be too violent. When I thought I was right, when I was going through the days where I would rather be Martin I'm just giving Malcolm more than Martin. I would rather solve it by any means necessary than to solve it with love and peace and gentleness. And I was, I thought I was right and I was righteous. When you have a certain personification that the people like, even though Christ doesn't like it, they'll begin to empower your personification. Paul excuse me, Saul went to the high priest and the political leaders at the time to get empowered to carry out the evil that was in his heart. We have people now who go to the law to get empowered to carry out the evil that is in their heart. And yes, if you are living in a world like I do where we can see gender confusion and, and sexual identity confusion and, so, and all of these kind of things, your response should be a loving response. But we can see that the technique of the enemy is to go to leadership like Paul did, excuse me, Saul did, sorry, and get them to give you letters or give you ordinances or give you laws and rules that allow you to persecute the people who don't agree with you. He went from just murdering to accosting people. I mean, excuse me, he went from just approving of murder to himself actually engaging in the activities that would ruin people's lives. Sin is always progressive. And when you get addicted to pointing the finger at everybody besides you, you become the problem. That's who he was. Who were the people he was persecuting? People just like you and I, who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ. He was, he was crucified, died, and buried for my sins. On the third day, he was raised again from the dead. And even though Saul was a witness, probably, to Jesus being crucified, and the fame, famous statement he made was, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now he's standing at the execution of Stephen. And Stephen is saying, Lord, as they got a rock, 
and they're hitting him with it. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Still, he would point the finger. Even when the response is loving. Even when the response is full of grace. I myself took on a personification where, my, anybody remember what my nickname used to be? Maniac, y'all know me too well. To get that type of name, you got to be a fool. You got to be a fool. And you got to be willing to do foolish stuff. And the type of fool I was was a justified fool in my mind. It, when you feel justified, you can just get outlandish. What is your nature? And is your sin nature alive or is it dead? Is your sin nature causing you to point the finger or causing you to look at you? So now Jesus had to show up. Jesus shows up in these first verses and Paul ends up seeing a blinding light, falls down, and that blinding light was Christ. This is not an aberration. This is not just a vision or a dream. This is Christ himself showing up in a glorious form and him being transfixed on the situation and being able to commune and communicate through the grace of God. We've got, so this is, some people think he just fell down off the horse because he looked down. He, look, he looked at the light. Some think he just tripped. I'm telling you he had an encounter with Jesus. And whenever you think Jesus is ignoring the challenges that you're going through, I'm telling you he is standing in front of the people who plan to do evil in your life and evil in this world. And he is showing up with a light. He, you don't have to invite him. He knows how to show up. And yes, he'll let you go through some pain. Yes, he'll let some weapons be formed against you. But he will not let those weapons prosper. I'm just telling you, he knows how to show up. And you've been saying, well, I know some people that, look, it's a time. Nobody can leave this planet before God, God allows them to leave. But this is showing you that he knows how to show up at the right time. He's not showing up and killing Saul. The wages of sin is death. He sinned. Why didn't he just kill him? Because when love shows up, it always gives mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. So God, who had the right to point the finger, pointed to his love. Do you see my love? Paul, it's me. It's me, love. It's me, peace. It's me, joy. You're kicking and fighting them, but it's really him fighting him. Because fighting them, Saul, is fighting him. So why are you kicking? It's me. Why are you in a fight with God? The world is not in a fight with Christians before they're first in a fight with God. The world is not in a fight uh, with itself. It's in a fight with God. Will they surrender to what he wants or give in to what they want? He left that moment, that encounter, encounter where he was fighting the wrong fight, blinded by goodness. Blinded by love. And when he, with his first words, when he was, when he encountered Christ was, Lord. Do you practice calling him who he is? Do you practice declaring your inability and his ability? Do you practice declaring his authority versus your authority? See, 
It's easy to point the finger, but three fingers are pointed back at you. And they had to take him to hang out because he, he was blind. Here's what happened next. If I, if, if, let me, I can quote this next part, so let me tell you what happened next. Jesus seemingly leaves that story for a moment, goes down to a guy named Ananias' house and has a conversation with one of his disciples and prophets. Say, hey, Ananias, had a little situation down the street. I need you to go to a street called Straight uh, at Judas's house. There's a man named Saul there who sees you, a man named Ananias, coming in and laying hands on him for him to receive his sight. I need you to help me out. One of the first things Jesus does when he's trying to change or transform a life is involve one of us. Because he's not, he can do it without us, but he loves to do it with us. He involves one of his chief disciples. And here's what his response was in verse 13. I want you to read it. Read. Now, I don't want to tell you what to do because I'm afraid, so I'm going to call you Lord. But something is going wrong in our relationship and the fact that you're coming to me. You have, you ever thought that God has too much faith in you when he gives you assignments? He believes in me way more than I believe in myself. Now, you sending me to these people? No, no. This man, he's like, he's trying to tell God because God is all knowing. But it's like Ananias said, now God, I, did, I don't want to say you lost your mind, but they're crazy. We, this is our arch enemy. This is the guy who's killing, killing all the people, and I'm one of the people. I'm liable to go try to minister to him, and he knifed me. Why would you send me to him? And, and instead of Ananias thinking about perhaps the why God would ask him to go minister, he thinks about the sin of the sinner. Nothing worse than being reminded of who you were. Reminded of what you've done. Does anybody in here enjoy hearing the things that you've done in the dark? I don't want that movie ever to play. I'm telling God, when we get to heaven, can we have a private screening of my life? You want yours private too? Because your mind, your thoughts going to be exposed. Everything out there, nothing hidden won't be exposed. Now, that's tough. No one, Jesus does not deal with us according to our sins or after our sins. In other words, you're not your sin. He wasn't looking at Saul like a murderer. He wasn't looking at Saul like he was trying to hurt people. He was looking at him like that's the object of my affection if he only knew how much I loved him and that he was included in my plan of redemption. He stopped pointing the finger at other people and started looking at me like, me too? Ananias, don't, when you minister to people, Start from God's position, not Saul's position. 
Saul's physicians, they don't think like me, talk like me, act like me, and don't nobody like him, so I don't like him, nobody should like him, let's kill him. When you think of sin and sinners, don't start thinking about how bad they are. Start thinking about how good he is to those who are bad. Starting with yourself. Isn't it great to know that you need the gospel and that was embodied in Jesus. Paul, he, he, Saul was not confused when Jesus showed up. I mean, this is an educated person. He, the gospel message is showing up to him. Jesus is preaching it like, it, it, you, you need to call me because I'm the guy. But I love the fact that the next thing he does, the next thing he did for me, when I was in that maniac personification, when I had given my life fully over to the Lord on the campus and I had nobody to disciple me, within a week of me really dedicating my life to the Lord, when everybody still called me maniac, Debbie's brother pulled up in a car. I'd never met him before. He was my Ananias. He said, hi. I'm Ronald Winans, and God sent me to tell you who you were. And I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have made it here except my Ananias showed up. You are someone's Ananias. Oh. And, and the Bible says he had to tell him, just so you know the Bible, look, well, he had a message for him. He says, he says, but Lord, go for he is chosen instrument of mine to carry my name to the Gentiles, to kings, and to the children of Israel. And I've got to show him how much he's going to suffer. Man, that's a great thing. On, on his birthday, he's finding out you've got a calling, you've got an assignment. You've got a purpose to the people, the Jewish people that you're with, to the Roman group and Gentiles that you're around, and the, the kings and the governors. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I got good news. You're going to be used by me. I got some challenging news that's going to hurt. I mean, you would need somebody to come bring that message. To me, if I heard that message from God or in prayer or something, I might dismiss it a little bit. I'm like, well, I heard the good stuff. He showed up, but I mean, I ain't hear that. I, I won't hear the bad stuff. If you give me good news and bad news, I'm going to remember the good news and I'm going to say, maybe they didn't mean the bad news. And Ananias departed and entered the house and laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, Ananias surrendered to Christ's assignment. He is not my enemy. Well, you know, God, God want to kill all Hamas. No, he want to save them. I'm sorry. Well, you know, God just, if we just had less Palestinians, we'd be okay. No, he want to save them. Well, you know, Israel get it right. No, they don't know Christ. What you, what book are you reading? No, they need Christ. Well, you know, at least America is built on, on Christ. Come on now. 
Y'all live here. You know better than that. Brother Saul, something happens when you stop pointing the finger and you surrender. You can see what God is doing in somebody's life that was broken. Man, how hard must it have been to see? You, you have to look too. I mean, I mean, he was just killing people. That's ministering to somebody saying, I'm going to tell you something. I see what's in you. I, I see. I, I don't see you as dark. I see the light. And he said, Brother Saul, Jesus appeared to you on the road by which you came. He has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and he rose and was baptized and he took food. Surrendering to him, not pointing at him like he's wrong. Is salvation, is deliverance and healing for them. He got his salvation confirmed. He got his healing that he needed. And that demon that was telling him to murder, 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 murder. That's, that's what's going on. And you can't see it, but that's what's going on in him. To kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. That's why you don't listen to the music. I'm sorry. Am I, am I going somewhere I shouldn't go? Kill them all, kill them all, kill them all, kill them all. I mean, come on now. Then you're going to just be angry for no reason. You start just walking crazy because somebody else crazy. Man, you don't know nothing about walking like that. Nothing. Stop that. Stop. Just stop. That's the spirit trying to direct you. <laughs> I don't have time. You got to come on Wednesday night and get delivered. I don't, you know, just. <laughs> That's. Let's read their last part. Verse 19. Ready? Read. No, you skipped something. I'm confident. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back one more. Mm -mm. See, now I know some, this is why you don't just count on the screen. I know the Bible. Watch. Watch. 19, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. That's missing. If you have your Bible. Did it say that? Where? See? For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. They're fixed. Okay. I'll just know your Bible. Somebody should have been correcting the screen is what I'm trying to say. Y'all read along. You'd be like, uh-uh. What happened to Damascus? He went and hung out with the disciples at Damascus. The number one thing we need once we receive the gospel is a discipleship relationship. You need a group of people to walk with. You need a men's group. I walk with other men. 
I myself am in discipleship where other people who have spiritual authority in my life, some of them are above me, some of them are are my peers, some of them I'm, I'm trying to lead, but we all have something in common that we're trying to help each other follow Jesus. Don't be so proud that you think you got it all together and you don't need a group of people who can put you in check or challenge you or prod you or that you need to open up to. You're not that strong. I'm not that strong. And if I'm going to give myself, I'm not being uh, 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 boastful here, but if I, who get the privilege of preaching to you, would be in a discipleship relationship, if Saul would put himself in a discipleship relationship and that's the greatest Christian other than Jesus that we know, then why aren't you? Why are you contemplating not going to the women's all-night prayer? Why? Why? Like, and, and, and I don't know who you are, so I'm just talking out loud. Like, like you know how to pray. That's the point of all night. Because the prayer's not getting through because we don't know what to say. We don't know what promises we're standing on. We can't, well, I'm not going because I can't go all night. Why they got to do it all night? Why can't they do it for an hour? Go for an hour. Just one hour. Why not come to the first Saturday men's breakfast at 7.57 so you can meet other men and get in a discipleship relationship? Saul went and hung out in Damascus to get some disciples. Well, my man, I don't, I don't have time. You don't have time to get the Bible in you? Yes, I'm coming at you just a little bit. It'll be gentler when Pastor Dave speaks. But <laughs> Look, you need the Bible. Man, I'm just looking for a spouse. You know, you look for the Bible and you get a spouse. No, I'm serious. You fix your eyes on Jesus, you know, and it's a lot of good stuff happens. What does this discipleship look like? Somebody helping you following Jesus, they're going to talk about your faith. Are you praying, reading your word, worshiping together? Are you living holy? Somebody has to ask you. If you're in, if you're in my men's group, they all know. We ask the question all the time. Is the darkness around you? Is the darkness upon you? Is the darkness in you? Has the darkness taken you? Not so we can gossip about you. So we can help you out. We need to know about each other's family. You need to not just know somebody. You need to know their name. Know their kids' names. You know, try. Just mess it up. I call a lot of y'all by nicknames because I just know you by like, oh, they go T. They go Ray Ray. You know, all that. You know that couldn't have been the spirit. <laughs> but you have to know that. So you, so you know that uh, finance. You can't be afraid to talk about money. If the love of money is the root of all evil, why wouldn't we talk about that in the discipleship relationship? That's what's tearing marriages up and families up. And that's what people got stress over. And then fruitfulness. You have to be a fruitful believer. You have to. You have to produce fruit. I was discipled. You need to be discipled. That's what our church does. Saul got that. And he immediately started to preach. 
as he was a baby. When you're a baby, you know what you preach? You just tell, tell what, yeah, you tell your testimony. You just say, this is what my life was like. Then Christ encountered me. Now this is what my life is like. That's it. That's what you tell. Immediately he started telling that. So everyone in this room who's born again has something to say. Everyone that's in this room who's born again has something to say. And finally, this guy just went on to minister and to preach and to teach. And eventually by Acts 13, he's no longer being known or calling himself Saul, but Paul. You have Sergio Paulus that gets converted. And then we have him no longer calling himself by his Hebrew name. But now he's transitioning. I want to reach some Gentiles. And I'm, to reach them, I'm willing to change my name. And that word Paul means humble or small. I'm going to have to decrease. And I think that people, people want to be the hero. Too, too much in social media, I see like Christians trying to be the hero. We, we want to lead people by saying, look how much bigger I am than you. Look how much greater I am. Look how much right, more righteous than you I am. And it's like Paul has got all the answers, but he's making himself small. Why do I want to make other people feel bad so I can feel good about me? Why? That's not the way to minister. This guy is moving himself from a zero to a hero because he's thinking right. What if you, what if I said, I'm going to be somebody's Ananias. I'm showing up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to let God speak to me. And instead of telling God how bad they are, I'm going to say, God, I don't, I wanna, I'm just going to point them to you. I'm going to point them to you. Who in your life do you need to stop pointing the finger at now and start pointing the finger up to him for them? That's what you do. There are people in your workplace right now, and all you got to do is open up your Bible, let the light of that Bible just shine, and somebody's going to come by your little cubicle and say, what you, what, you, what you got there? My grandmama used to, you know, read, read, read me the book. You really carry your Bible around? That's what they're going to start saying. Some of you need to just turn off, uh, what's the popular radio station here? What's the popular radio station here? Huh? Kayla, y'all real say, because I know Caleb is saying, y'all just don't want to say what that station is you listen to. That's all right. But you need to turn that music off. Turn on some worship music. Until somebody, the atmosphere changes around you. And somebody begins to ask questions about your God. When you see someone pointing the very finger that you were pointing that you can tell them how God took you to repentance and showed you things about you and he redirected your finger to point to what he did for broken humanity, sinful humanity and evil people to draw them to him. What if we just started at our church community and says we're not going to waste the opportunity of a fall fest and where the world is turning to dark thoughts and dark things we're going to use it as evangelistic opportunity to turn them to the one who loves them more 
It's easy to make that day about us. But what if we actually use that day to point to him? Stand to your feet. Minister team, you can come down.